Good morning, everyone. I'm R.W. Estella with a word in Edgewise. Today is the 9th of October, the 282nd day of 2023, with only 83 days ahead of us on our way to 2024. English poet Rudyard Kipling has a poem, The Old Issue, October 9, 1899, written on the outbreak of the Boer War. All we have of freedom, all we use or know, this our fathers bought for us long and long ago, ancient right unnoticed as the breath we draw, leave to live by no man's leave underneath the law. Up front and center in the bellicose news of late has been Ukraine, of course, with media outlets such as CNN presenting charts as to where military assistance to Ukraine is coming from, what share of the gross domestic product of each of the contributing countries is being dedicated to the overall effort, how much is helping with refugee costs, and the numbers of actual materiel that have been sent. For example, of the 783 tanks, nearly half have come from Poland, not the U.S., though the latter has contributed nearly a third of the 783 howitzers and a quarter of the 125 anti-aircraft missile systems and a third of the 97 multiple launch rocket systems. The Council on Foreign Relations ups the ante with six charts instead of CNN's four, expanding the various sorts of material to include both manned and unmanned aircraft, radar and communications, satellite services, and coastal defense. Considering that the U.S. devotes half of its citizens' tax dollars to the Department of Defense, the additional advancements in foreign military efforts is something all of us should begin becoming familiar with, especially since a growing Republican contingent in the U.S. legislative branch is voicing reluctance to, conti- to discontinue U.S. investments in Ukraine's struggle against Russia. Meanwhile, back here in Down East Maine, the state's forest rangers are breathing a sigh of relief about tropical storm Philippe's precipitation, helping to relieve the more than two-week stretch of no rain the state was enduring. After all, we're coming up on the 76th anniversary of the Great Bar Harbor Fire of 1947, when Maine hadn't seen rain for over a hundred consecutive days, and the landscape had largely become a massive tinder pile. And regarding Mother Nature's artistic talents, Maine's Department of Agriculture reports that fall colors in northern Maine are at peak conditions this second week of October, with other areas of Maine's foliage to the south gradually changing soon. Heavenward, tomorrow morning in the eastern sky just before dawn, look for our waning crescent moon in close company with the bright star Regulus and the planet Venus, the third brightest object in our sky after the sun and the moon. In fact, in this second week of October, Venus will be bright enough to continue being seen after sunrise and on into the day. Today in 768, Charlemagne and his brother Carloman I were crowned kings of the Franks. Today in 1192, King Richard I of England disguised himself to leave Jerusalem. Today in 1290, 16,000 Jews had been expelled from England by King Edward I. Today in 1635, religious dissident Roger Williams was banished from Massachusetts Bay Colony. 
Today in 1665, the British Parliament met at the University of Oxford instead of the Palace of Westminster due to the Great Plague. Today in 1701, Collegiate School of Connecticut, precursor to Yale University, was chartered. Today in 1781, the Battle of Yorktown, ending the American Revolutionary War, began. Today in 1936, the Hoover Dam began transmitting electricity to Los Angeles. Today in 1941, U.S. President Franklin Roosevelt approved the atomic program that would become the Manhattan Project. Today in 1984, astronaut Kathy Sullivan became the first U.S. woman to walk in space during a space shuttle Challenger mission. Today in 1940 in Liverpool, England, to a merchant seaman father who abandoned the family when John was six, and to his mother Julia, who by many reports was an eccentric woman who left her son with her sister Mimi to raise, John Lennon was born. Julia often visited, but more as a friend than a parent. Hence, John was troublesome, often disciplined in school for insolence, cutting classes and throwing a blackboard out the classroom window. Aunt Mimi remarked, The main reason he was such a worry to me while he was growing up was I knew he had something. He knew he had it too, but he didn't know exactly where to put this talent he had or where it might lead him. Her nephew subsequently tried painting and poetry before settling on music at a time when skiffle, English rockabilly music, was sweeping the country in the 1950s, so Aunt Mimi bought Johnny a guitar. Soon he had formed his own skiffle band, the Quarrymen, frequently playing for not much beside the initial experience, which in 1957 led them to playing a church festival in Woolton, where John met 14-year-old Paul McCartney, whose guitar skills impressed John, and Paul in turn was impressed by John's confident dreams of stardom, so Paul joined the band. Then one of John's friends, George Harrison, after persistently tagging along, also became a member of the band. An identity crisis of sorts ensued, with the quarrymen becoming Johnny and the Moondogs, then the Moonshiners, the Silver Beatles, then changing one of the E's to an A, the Beatles. And they were off to their first professional engagement, a two-month stint in Hamburg, Germany, a wild town where they played in a seedy bar up to seven hours a night. By the time they returned to England, the boyish band had hardened into leather-jacketed, long-haired professionals who were attracting a following in dance halls and cellar bars. By the time they made their second visit to Hamburg in 1960, John Lennon and Paul McCartney had written over 100 songs, a selection from which would lead to their first record, a rock version of My Bonnie Lies Over the Ocean. But many were unimpressed by the Beatles. Even John Lennon in 1963 would say, We're lucky if we last three months. Today is also the birthday in 1201 of the French theologian and founder of the Sorbonne College in Paris, Robert de Sorbonne. In 1823, of American-Canadian anti-slavery campaigner, suffragette, and first African-American newspaper publisher, Mary Ann Shad Carey. In 1859, of French-Jewish artillery officer, Alfred Dreyfus. In 1895, of the first African-American military pilot flying for France in World War I, Eugene Bullard. In 1900, of Scottish actor and A Christmas Carol lead, Alistair Sim. In 1906, of Senegalese poet and 
and first president of Senegal, Leopold Sedar Senghor. In 1911, of the American photographer capturing the U.S. flag raising on Iwo Jima, Joe Rosenthal. In 1918, of American intelligence officer and Watergate break-in star E. Howard Hunt. And of Russian-born actress Lila Kadrova. In 1937, of British rock saxophonist Pat Burke. In 1943, of American cartoonist Mike Peters. In 1944, of English rock bassist and member of The Who, John Entwistle. In 1948, of American rock singer-songwriter Jackson Brown. In 1952, of English-American music manager and TV personality Sharon Osbourne. And in 1953, of American actor Tony Shalhoub. From Orono, Maine, I'm R.W. Estella with a word in edgewise. Here's to the third official week of autumn and to the 40th week of 2023.